If you would bow your heads with me. Dear God, we come to you now and we just ask that you just allow us to hear your word, dear Lord, and hear it for the true meaning that you have uh, prepared for us and allow us to live it in our daily lives. And uh, dear Lord, again, we just ask that you just uh, comfort our, our spirits this morning and our, and our hearts. And we uh, just ask that you uh, just allow us to, to just hear your word. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're doing this, uh, this walk through First John, and um, we've gone through chapter 1, 2, and 3, and then today we're going to hit 4, all right? So um, we've talked last week, we talked about um, having, a, uh, having a Christianity that walks the talk, it just doesn't talk. And in today's world, there's a lot of talk, there's a lot of chatter, there's a lot of things being said. But too often, the actual putting it to, you know, putting, putting it to use and, and showing the actual physical results of Christianity, um, it, it's not there and, it, and it's void. And, um, you know, there's that discussion in James about, um, you know, what's, your, what's a religion without works and is works the form of religion. And John kind of takes on this, uh, this subject and he takes on these false teachers that are there. And um, I don't know if you know it or not, but we have some false teachers in the world today. They're proclaiming a gospel that doesn't really, it doesn't fit the Bible and it's not genuine. So I think that, uh, I think that John's message is uh, as critical today as it was the day that he wrote it. And that says a lot about humanity. Um, it says a lot about um, humankind. Because sometimes uh, we we go through these things, and um, and and I'm I'm speaking more more of a personal level this morning. So um, just think about some of the trials and tribulations that you have gone through, and how many times did you come out of those and say, uh, "I'm never going to do that again," and then like 72 hours later, <laughs> you're doing it again, right? And we talked last week about getting caught in that cycle of habitual sin and these destructive thoughts and uh, and today we're going to address like the genuineness what is the what is the fuel what is the driving force what is it that allows you to do the things that you're supposed to do and what what is it that makes you a genuine christian in action and what could be the secret sauce so to speak and uh, um he confronts it. He confronts the things that's going on in this world today, and he hits it dead on. And he, and if you um, come away today, I want you to understand that John really boils down to love. And there's the there's the history. Um, Jerome, he wrote some what we call history books of the first church, and he talks about. Um, an elderly John who was carried into the church services in his elderly years and, and had to be um, helped to stand up. And they would ask him to say words, and he would constantly say, we are commanded to love each other. And they at some point asked him if he had some other words, because that's all he ever said. And his statement was, if we ever get that right, then then we will, we will truly see the results of 
Jesus Christ in this world. All right. So, but before I forget, um, let's give Carrie, Kyle, and Rafi a, a hand here, and Scott this morning just uh, for um, setting all this up and, and doing it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. I'm especially thankful they put me in the shade and didn't stick me out in the sun. Sometimes I'm like, hmm, that smells good. I wonder what's cooking, and it's my head. All right, so here we go. First John, and uh, I'm going to read some scripture for you. If you brought your Bible, First John, it's right before Second John, all right? Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Okay, so let's address this. This is the opening statement here in chapter 4. And what is being said here and uh, what, what is being meant. And um, he talks a lot about um, addressing the, the spirits, the, the false preachers that are out, the false teachers that are out in the world, and being able to, to discern which, one, which ones are genuine, which ones are real, and then which ones um, you know, are, should, you, uh, should you stay away from. And here is, here is the knowledge, and here is the statement that he is saying. And John is telling us that unless someone is preaching and teaching the genuine Jesus Christ, then they are preaching, unless they're preaching that, then they're preaching heresy. And we ask ourselves, you know, like, how can we tell what's the, what's the defining difference here and what's the define identification that comes out of their teaching? And here is the, here's the statement that he is saying. And he is saying that, you know, you have to accept God for who he is. And he is the Holy Trinity. All right? And there is a large percentage of denominations that are preaching that Jesus Christ was not actually a man and that he did not come in the form of a man or that he did come in the form of a man and he's not actually God. All right? So they, they separate Jesus Christ from the Holy Trinity. But if you're going to preach a genuine Christianity, you have to preach the Holy Trinity. And I can't explain this to you in terms that make it crystal clear, but here's what I know is that Jesus Christ came in the form of a man because he was asked to by God the Father. And God the Father sent him because he loves us so much he could not keep us in our fallen state. And Jesus Christ loves us so much that he accepted that challenge. All right? And the Bible talks about heaven going quiet because no one else could answer the call. Who would go to earth? In fact, John is there and he sees that vision and he talks about how he cries. He actually cries because no one will answer the call. And then Jesus Christ stands up and says, I'll take the scroll. All right? So there, and when Jesus Christ comes, he comes for one purpose. Does he heal people? Yes. Does he give us the greatest advice on how to live? Yes. But he comes for one purpose. And that one purpose is to save sinners. He came to die for us. He came with a mission. And if anything got in his way, 
Like when Peter said, hey, you need to quit talking about dying so much because you're scaring off all of our, 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 you know, our fellow brothers and sisters who are joining up with us. He says, get behind these Satan. Nothing was going to get between him and the cross because that was his mission. And he came as a man. So he is 100% man, but at the same time, he is 100% God. He does not become any less deity, nor is he any less man. I don't know how to explain that to you except in those words. And here is the underlying statement for what we're going to continue to talk about here this morning. Is that if you look at the Holy Trinity, you see that when we become Christians, we have the gift, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit inside of us. So we have a new nature and we are to let that nature grow and we are to communicate with it and to develop a relationship so we can hear it. And the Holy Spirit will guide us, direct us, it will encourage us, it will tell you don't do this, and it will make you feel guilty. Okay? It will bring condemnation when you need it. It will bring encouragement when you need it. All right? But here is the thing. It chooses not to speak its own words. It speaks the words of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ chose to come to and die for us to accept that challenge, to accept that mission that no one else could do. Because he said, no one takes my life. I lay it down for the ransom of all mankind. And God chose to send his son because there was no other perfect sacrifice. There was no other perfect lamb that could accept that challenge. No angel could carry the cross up that hill. No angel could ever be strong enough. No human could ever take that on. It was only a mission that Jesus Christ himself could take on and complete. And he chose to do that. So you see that within the Holy, the Holy Trinity there, we have perfect harmony. No one steps out of line or no one gets into anybody else's job or their mission or, or fails to do something, and they choose to do this. And we have to preach a genuine Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and it speaks the words of Jesus Christ, who's always in the will of God the Father, these words will be challenging. So it is a, it is a religion that will challenge you. It will ask you to forgive people you do not want to forgive. It will ask you to forgive people who will never ask you for forgiveness. It asks you to love people who are unlovable. It asks people to love that you don't want to love. It asks us to come together and to look you know, over the top of each other's sins and failures and to look at the heart and to love people and to serve people and to build people up. It's a, it's a challenge. And in this world, sometimes it seems like those who do not preach a true gen, uh, genuine Christianity or live a true genuine Christianity, that they're the ones that are winning. And sometimes it can come across as, defeat, as being defeated, that maybe we're a religion of defeat. But that's also addressed here because he says that every spirit that confesses every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ came into, into the flesh we have to understand that that is our victory. 
And that when Jesus Christ came in and accepted that and he pushed through on that mission, that is total victory. Death has been defeated. Sin and its power has been annihilated. And now we can stand on salvation. Now we can stand on atonement. Now we can stand on the promise of eternal life. And that is living a life of hope. And that is, allows us to live a life of grace, of forgiveness. All right? And without a true, genuine Christianity in you, it's going to be hard to do. So we'll roll on here in verse 4. You are, you are of God, little children, have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are the world, therefore they speak as the world. The world hears them. We are of God. He, knows, he who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So there it is that he takes it on. He says, if you get a true, genuine Christianity, and if you're able to live it, then you can stand on the promise and on the already achieved victory that Jesus Christ has given us. Amen. And it's just the asking of us to live and to choose to live a life of true Christianity. And it says there that when you, when you are out in the world, you have to be able to identify which foot you have where. All right, so there's a line here. And you have, to, you have to look at your life and your actions and the things that are going on and, and the way that you live and the, the ideas that come through in your actions and in your living. Are you living a life that has been changed by Christ and you're living the actions of Jesus Christ? Or are you living a life that still reflects a life in the world and that you're living a life that the world would identify because if you're living a life of Jesus Christ and true Christianity, then you're going to rub sideways with what mainstream world considers normal, considers right. You're going to get offended. You're going to find out that that doesn't make sense. But the Bible says that that is what is supposed to happen because we are living in a different kind of wisdom, a different kind of life than what the world would live in. And the world did not recognize Jesus Christ. They crucified him. And the same is going to happen to us. And that is why he says, pick up your cross every day and carry it. And come to me and die. Because it is a life, it is a calling that will sometimes cause you to look around in the world and say, what world am I living in? And boy, it's hard to recognize the world anymore, isn't it? Huh? I mean, just think of uh, not only the last 20 years since we've gotten into the 21st century but just think about the last like 18 months what all has changed what all has happened the world doesn't even reflect the same way and and that's 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 scary but at the same time we have the hope and we have the strength to know that Jesus Christ is stronger than anything that can come against you in this world he has already overcome it Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not, he who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, 
if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. All right, so there's a lot being said there. And here is the, here is the, the, the takeaways. There's an evidence that comes forward when Jesus Christ is living through our lives. And the evidence of Jesus Christ living through our lives is love. And it is the kind of love that defies all the, the lines and the walls that have been built and, and drawn in this world. And it allows us to go out and love and to serve. And without any judgment, without any condemnation, we love those who are unlovable. We love those who the world will not accept. We are here to love. And also, going back to the, original, to the original premise that I set with the Holy Spirit, love is a choice. Okay? So we are, the Bible makes a big deal about free will. And it talks about even when you become a Christian, you don't lose your free will. Now that is a very critical argument to what we preach here. And here's the reason of that, is because, just like Paul said, he didn't even know what sin was till he was taught what sin was and what the rules were. And then once he knew what the rules were, that's all he wanted to do was break the rules. That's human nature. And then when he got Jesus in, us, then, in him, then there was this new nature. And he had to feed that, allow that nature to grow and to, and to take over. And that's why we say every morning, before your feet hit the floor, what's your job as a Christian? To pray a prayer of emptying, so that you can get rid of all the ugliness and selfishness in you and be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then you're capable of going out and loving. And that is a choice that you have to make. And so many times we put like this emotional tag and this emotional thread through love. And let me say something that probably defies everything that the world teaches. Love is not an emotion. Love is not an emotion. It is a choice. It is a choice. And you know how I know that? It's because Ariane has chosen to be married to me for 21 years. <laughs> if she went on her emotions, it would have been a lot of different storylines, all right? But the, ch the choice there is, is huge. And, and when you think about God loved us so much that he chose to send his son to die for us. And Jesus Christ loved us so much that he chose to accept that and lay down his life. And you think about how when you are going through some hard times with your spouse, with your kids, with your family, with your friends, you know, with acquaintances, with coworkers, there is a choice that you have to make to reflect Jesus Christ. And that is to love. Because love is a choice, and here is, the, here is the bottom line. The underlying evidence of Jesus Christ in your life is love. In fact, what did Jesus say? They will know you are my disciple by how you love one another. And here is the, inside of this scripture, it teaches us that our very life is based upon love. Because our life is renewed and given to us through salvation. And salvation is brought to us by love.
So when we talk about salvation, and when you see Christians who think they're going to heaven and nobody else is, that's not a genuine Christianity. That's not driven by love. Christianity is driven by love. Christianity does not look down on people. Christianity does not raise you above everybody else. Christianity is the obligation and it is the commandment that now you have to, as a mandate given to us by Jesus Christ himself, go out and love and serve with love. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. Keep that one in mind, all right? His love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he is in us because he has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus Christ is God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. There's a lot of circular statements going on there, okay? And here is what he is saying. He's speaking to the church, and he is speaking to um, a church that had false teachers, and people were being um, separated, and it reflects the world that we live in today. And this is what John is teaching. Jesus Christ is revealed through our loving each other. If you want people to see Jesus Christ in the first person, be a person who serves with genuine Christian love, and they will meet Jesus Christ through you. You can't do it alone. Yes, you have to choose to do it, but it is the Holy Spirit that provides that strength and provides that fuel and direction. But love is a choice. Choose to love, and when we choose to love, then Jesus Christ is revealed. And then Love completes, or as the word says, perfects. So if you want to complete your relationship with people, if you want to complete your witness, so to speak, then the way that you do that is through love. And then it also tells us that love is the ultimate binding power that God has given us in this world. If we want to be a stronger church, then guess what the secret sauce to that is? Love one another. Love one another. You see churches that fall apart? It's through division. It's through pride. It's through arrogance and, and trouble. And, you know, they borrow, like my grandma used to say, don't borrow trouble. I never knew that till I borrowed a bunch of trouble one day, what she meant. <laughs> then it became pretty clear what she meant. All right. But if you want your family you want your family to grow stronger in your relationships with your spouse, with your children to grow stronger, then choose to love. Because love, as God says, is the force more powerful than death. Love is the ultimate driving force of Christianity. That's the statement John is saying here. In health, with your family, Health with yourself, health with the church, it's all fueled by love. Love has been perfected among us in this way that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. 
because he is so are we in this world. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. There's that choice. He chose to love us. Therefore, we accept his salvation and his forgiveness. So we have to choose to love him. And through that, we are commanded to love our brothers and sisters. And we can do it very boldly. And what this world teaches is sometimes that love and forgiveness and mercy and all that stuff is a sign of weakness. But I'm here to tell you that love is a sign of strength. Love is a sign of a strong Christian character. The ability to love, the ability to forgive, that is a sign of strength. And we've allowed the world, there's that line, we've allowed the world to bleed into over our line and to tell us what love is. And we have allowed the world to bleed over into our line and say, hey, you need to condemn these people. You need to look down on them. Okay? Jesus says, serve them. Serve them with love. Show them that you love them. Prove to them that you love them. And they'll see me as you serve through genuine love. So here's the answer. How do we proclaim the word of God? By loving people and serving them. How do we make this church stronger? By loving each other. How do you make your family stronger? By loving each other. What's the bottom line? Love is a choice, and we celebrate that through our salvation because Jesus Christ chose to accept God's mandate and his mission to come down and die for us because we are sinners in needing of a Savior, and Jesus Christ is our Savior. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love a God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have, if he hasn't said it enough, he says it one last time, that he, loves, that he who loves God must love his brother also. So I don't know if, if, if he made it clear enough, if he said it enough, if he stated it enough, but the answer to the problems is love. And it's not a selfish love. It's not a love driven by our own pride and our own missions and our, and our own agendas. It's a love driven by true Christian service, true Christian love. And you know what? It's up to us. We choose to do it or not. I'll be honest with you. There's days where I've chosen, I have purposely chosen not to love. <laughs> All right? And I felt... I felt justified in, in my decision. But here's the thing, and I'll have to answer for this. How many opportunities that I missed that day or that week or that month where I purposely chose not to love? Who missed out on a blessing? Who missed out on meeting Jesus Christ in the first person through my failure? Those are the questions that we have to ask ourselves. Now this is a Wonderful church. I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for the love that exists here. And I, I know I'm preaching to the choir because I saw you all singing earlier. So, But this is, a, this is such a simplistic message that the world has trouble accepting it because they say, well, it's not, it's not 
there's not, how many steps are there? You didn't do your eight steps or, or you know, I didn't have to do this or that. But when you get into it and you're going to live a true Christian life based on love, I promise you, you'll need the Holy Spirit to fuel you. Thank you for tuning in to Star Church's sermon. We truly hope that the sermon edified you today and brought you closer to the Lord. For more information about Star Church, visit our website at stargbchurch.com. Once again, that's stargbchurch.com. If you would like to visit our church, our address is 4925 State Road 142, El Dorado, Illinois 62930. We now pray that God will bless you as you enter the mission field and bring his word to the world. And as always, we will see you next time here at Star Church. Thank you.